I don't know about you, but he can still do the chain-breaking business. He can still do it. He did it before, and he can do it again. Let's give the Lord a good hand, a praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Remain standing for just a few moments. Thank you, Pastor Sandra, and praise team for a wonderful job. Welcome, Brother Adam, to our team. We just appreciate you. And uh, we have a... Uh, it's wonderful we have a host of musicians here at the church. I mean, I'm just so thankful for that. Um, and uh, we're almost like a plug and play team. Just pull one out, put another one in. It's just fantastic to see what the Lord is doing here. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles today to Joshua. Look, Chad, I'm going to switch over here. Let's turn our Bibles to Joshua. Chapter number nine, and we're going to be reading a, a few verses today. I would challenge you if, if you don't bring your Bible to, to bring it on Sundays and, and, and of course read it throughout the week. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I've got favorite Bibles that I read from and hold, and it's just the stuff that God's poured into me, and I write all over my Bibles. I know some people uh, don't do those types of things, and that's okay. But uh, when God pours something out of me, oftentimes I just got to get it written down as fast as I possibly can. How many knows what I'm talking about? Amen. Uh, John, or excuse me, Joshua chapter number nine. We're going to be reading verses one through. We may skip down just a little bit as we're as we're going through the text. We're going to be reading one verse through twenty-seven. Verse one through twenty-seven of Joshua chapter number nine. Now we have been in the book of Joshua the past several weeks, and God has really been doing some tremendous things in the services. We had a fantastic service on Wednesday night, and uh, we were reading out of Acts chapter number one on Wednesday. And I, I found that the Lord is just doing some tremendous things in our service, and I just expect nothing different to happen here today. Amen? I'm just expecting God to do something something great. I know that we're few in number. There's several that are out sick, but we're in the, there's in two or three gathered in his name. He's in the midst. Amen? So let's look at Joshua 9. Let's look at verses 1 through 27. It starts out in Joshua 9 and says that it came to pass. And I mentioned this last week, but I think this is uh, important for us to understand that trials, storms, tribulations, situations don't come to stay. They come to pass. Aren't you thankful that the storms of life don't stay? That they continue on? That Though there's clouds all around us, that there's a sunshine on the horizon. So the Bible says that it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side, this side of Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys and in all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hittite, the Jebusite, heard thereof. Verse 2, that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua, and with Israel in one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work willingly and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes, and clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry 
and it was moldy. And they went to Joshua and to the camp of Gilgal, and they said unto him, and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hittites, With peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? They said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? And from whence cometh thou? And they said unto him, From a very far country. Look at your neighbor and say, A far country. A far country. Thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him. Oh, I wish that was the case with them. I, I wish we could just make him famous just a little more in our generation. I'm thankful for the revival that's happening right now. And he says, I heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt, verse 10, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan and Sion, king of Haitian, and to old king of Basham, which was at Ashdod. Wherefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take vitals with you for the journey, and go to meet them. And said unto them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. Let's get down to verse number 16. Because this is where we see the deceit is, is discovered. And it came to pass at the end of the three days after they had made a league with them that they heard that they were thy neighbors and that they dwelt amongst them. And the children of Israel journeyed and came unto their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and uh, Shephra and Baroth and kirjath Jerusalem. And the children of Israel smote them not, because the prince of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel, and all the congregation murmured against the princes. But all the princes said unto the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the Lord your God of Israel. Now therefore we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will even... Let them live, lest wrath be upon us, because of the oath which we swear unto them. And the princess said unto them, Let them live, but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water unto all the congregation, and as the princes had promised them. Let's move down to verse number 24. And they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told to thy servants how the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now behold, we are in thine hand. See if good and right unto thee to do unto us do. And so did he unto them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel that they slew them not. And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and of the altar of the Lord, even unto this day, the place which he had chose. I'll title the message today, if you're taking notes, Too Close for Comfort. 
too close or comfortable. Let's bow our heads and pray and ask the Lord to lead us in this service. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, right now. And we pray that, that this word would, would find a lodging place in our heart. Would find a, find a lodging place in our life and in our spirit today, we pray, Lord Master. Lord, we love you. We appreciate you. We, we're just so thankful that all that you're doing right now. God, we just want to get in. We, we want to get in while the waters are troubled today. We want to experience everything that you have for us in this service today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. You must increase and I must decrease. And everybody in the church body said, amen. Just look at your neighbor and say, too close for comfort. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We have been in the book of Joshua over the past few weeks, and uh, we've experienced uh, victories, we've experienced defeat, and now we're endeavoring upon chapter number nine today. I want to start out by, by just uh, giving a little bit of an illustration. There are certain kinds of ants that have a passion for the sweet, granular substance that's given off by the caterpillar of a species of the large blue butterfly. They can come and they can become so addicted to it that they even seek out the supplier and, and carry him to their nest with delight. And in doing so, they unwittingly, here's the thing, they bring home an enemy in disguise. And because the caterpillar gorges himself exclusively on one kind of food, and that being uh, ant larva, usually such a threat to the colony would be repelled with great vigor. But the, the adults enjoy the taste, uh, the secretions of the guests. So, so much so that they are oblivious to the fact that their young are being devoured in the process. The ants find out far too late that their enemy is too close for comfort. Look at your neighbor and say, too close for comfort. And as I read this story and we are exegesing the text and we're moving forward chronologically, and just allowing the Lord to deposit some things in our spirits, I, I read this story about these foolish ants, and I began to see a lot of similarities that we see in the story that we're reading about Joshua and the children of Israel in chapter number 9. In these verses, we see Israel becoming a little too cozy with their enemies. Okay? And after uh, decisive victories we have seen at Jericho, we see victories at Ai, and after a special time of worship and recommitment to the law of God at, at Mount Ebal and, and the garrison, the people of Israel are preparing to march deeper into Canaan to claim the land that the Lord has given them. How many knows that there's a promised land on the horizon? But yet there's an enemy that's always in the midst of your promised land that's looking to try to deceive you and get you off track. Amen? So as I said, they, they are fresh from the victory. They are fresh off a victory in AI. This is the second attempt. They This time they followed God's rules and God's ways, and they found themselves in a place of victory. 
And in fact, they, they now have a couple impressive victories under their belts. And they have seen the great walled city of Jericho defeated, and they have witnessed the little town of Ai that has been defeated also. And before they can move forward to future victories, Israel must learn a valuable lesson about themselves and about the enemy that we face. How many know that you got to know the enemy that's in your life? you got to know his strategies. you got to know his tactics. you got to know what he hits you with. How many knows the enemy doesn't come with you, and he doesn't try to invade your mind with things that are displeasing unto you? He's always coming with what you have had a pattern of in your life. Maybe you have failed prey to a particular thing. Maybe you have fallen short in a certain area. And the enemy always shows up in the places that he knows you have previously got a pattern of. So he shows up in the life of in, in Joshua, and we see it in our own lives, and in the battles and the stories related to Israel's conquest of Canaan, we can see pictures of our lives as children of God as we struggle to obtain the victory in our own lives. Have you ever just felt like victory was a struggle? And so as I look at the Bible, and as I look at these events that we have been reading upon and reflecting upon, it's not too hard for me to see the parallels between the battles that Israel fought in the flesh and the ones which we fight in the spirit. The Bible is full of types and shadows. The, 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 the cities that, 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 face, uh, that, that they face teach us some spiritual lessons. These cities that they have faced, these, these individuals, starting with Jericho. Look at your neighbor and say Jericho. You realize that Jericho, because the Bible, as I stated, is full of types and shadows. Jericho is a type of the world. It's a type of the world. It, it was defeated, as you remember. I mean, those the world is defeated. It's under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the promise of victory over the world as we walk with our Savior through this life. First John chapter number 5, verse number 4 reminds us, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith has to have a place, though. Our faith has to be in Jesus Christ. We can't just have faith in faith. Because there's no faith in that. Our faith has to have an object. And our object of our faith is Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. So Jericho is a type of the world. So through Jesus Christ, we have the victory over the wall areas of our life. We have victory over the areas, in other words, the places that we can't see. The places that God's going to lead us through. The big things in our life, obviously, sometimes that are out in front of us, we can see them very much up from the walled cities of our life. We see these areas. We see, and God puts the hidden areas in our life, the obstacles that, that may be out in front of us. God gives us the victory over those obstacles, whatever they may be. And it's not about just having faith. I want this to get down in your spirit today. I want particularly our young people to understand it's not about just having faith. It's about where is your faith and is it in Jesus Christ? Where is the object of your faith? So number one is Jericho is a type of this world. Number two, we've seen Ai, which is a type of the flesh. Look at your neighbor and say the flesh. So it too, as we understand, was defeated. And, and we have this promise of victory over the flesh as we battle for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Romans chapter number 7, verses 24 and 25, this is Paul speaking to the church. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I have myself served the law of God, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. So as a reminder, we must crucify the flesh daily. Look at your neighbor and say daily. Paul said, I died daily. He had to crucify the flesh every single day. He had to crucify his own will. He had to crucify his own emotions. He had to do it his own intuition, what he could see with his eyes. In order to move forward with God and the Spirit, he had to crucify himself every single day. He had to lay himself on the altar and say, God, it's not my will, but it's thy will be done. It's not what I want to do, it's what you want to do. And I'm going to receive the victory when I lay myself at your feet on an altar. So we see these, these places. We see Jericho. We see Ai. And number three, we find ourselves in a place called Gibeon. Look at your neighbor and say Gibeon. Gibeon. Gibeon is a type of the devil. Again, we're talking about types and shadows. This is a continuous battle that must be fought. How I many knows you've got to continually fight the good fight of faith? That's what Paul told Timothy, fight. That word is a continuous fight. He was referring to Timothy and he said, you can't let down your guard at any given point. You can't lay down. You can't just go to sleep on the enemy. You can't just decide he's not going to wake up and get out of bed and torment you in the day to the day. You've got to continually fight for and with and against your enemy. So this is a continuous battle, this Gibeon that we build, this type of the devil. It is a continuous battle that we must fight. We can have the victory over the devil and the lies of the devil. I said we can have the victory over the devil and the lies of the devil. And in order to obtain it, we must trust the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in his, his will day by day and ingest a steady dose of the truth of God's word. He can be defeated. Oh, yes. And how many knows he is defeated by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? James chapter number 4, verse number 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, you've got to remind the devil that you're not going to be led around like a dog on a leash. I said, you've got to remind the devil that you're not going to be led around like a dog on a leash, that you are no longer a slave to sin. You've got to remind the enemy that you are a child of God, that sin has no dominion over you, and that I'm not a puppet on the string or a pawn in the hand of the enemy, that I'm not, listen, I'm not going to be fooled by your schemes and by your tactics and by your strategies. I'm going to put on the full armor of God. How many is ready to put on the full armor of God? That you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. And we find that it's in our resistance that we find the victory and it's in your pushback that you find your praise. It's in your resistance. You're pushing back against the enemy that you find the, the victory. It's in your pushback that you find the praise. How many have been pushed back just a little bit this past week? That you've been put on your heels just a little bit this past week. And you had to stir up and muster up a praise inside of you. When everything else seemed to be falling apart and you seemed to be questioning a lot of things, you put a praise on your lips. And when you put a praise on your lips, you was pushing back the darkness that was upon your life. You was pushing back. you got to keep pushing back against the enemy. There's a resistance that has to take place. 
And I don't know about you, but my goal is to put the devil on the run today. Yeah. My goal is to put the devil on the run to, to send him packing with his tail between his legs. Somebody say amen. And listen, I cannot and will not be fooled by his many disguises or his many crafty words. Listen, you understand that rat poison is 90% good corn, but it's the 10% strychnine that will kill you. So he shows up in the form of this enemy, this Gibeon that showed up to Joshua in all these disguises. And oftentimes the enemy will disguise himself in your life. He will disguise himself with crafty words. He will try to fool you with what looks and seems to be the right thing. That's why the Bible tells us that man looks on the outward, but God looks upon the hearts. See, God can detect the crafty things. God can detect those things that are inside of the heart and inside of the mind of a young man or a young woman or, or an individual that claims to be of God. And this is what happened. These people showed up to try to mislead God's people, to lead them astray. Can I tell you that there's an enemy loose that's trying to lead you? He's a thief that cometh yet but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, Jesus said, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I'm telling you today, we've got to put the devil on the run in our life. And that's why it's important for the Spirit of God to be with us. How many knows that the devil walks around like a wolf in sheep's clothing? He walks around like a wolf in sheep's clothing. But here's the way that you can detect whether or not you're truly dealing with the enemy or not. Pay attention to the fruit and not the frivolous words that are coming out of an individual's heart and mind and mouth. You've got to be careful. You've got to pay attention to the fruit, not the frivolous words. Because how many know you can be really deceived by some of these crafty words? It's the fruit. So we must contend with Satan, and we must contend with his tactics. And in this passage, we can see a portrait of Satan and, and, and the way that he works and the way that he operates. And we will see that there is a danger in letting down our spiritual guard. There's a saying that goes like this. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. But can I tell you, we got to be careful not to allow darkness into our midst. Come on. We, we need to build up a spiritual immunity against sin, not by bringing it close in proximity, but rather through the resistance and the help of the Holy Ghost. Here's the thing about sin. Here's the thing about uh, a compromise. If you mess with fire, you're going to get burned. Yep. Proverbs chapter number 6 tells us, will a man bring fire into his bosom and not get burned? Well, the obvious question is, there's no way you can bring fire close to you and not be burned with it. So we've got to stop flirting with sin. We've got to stop playing games with God. We've got to stop letting the devil have his way in our life. We've got to stop fulfilling the lust of the flesh because when we do those things, we're bringing fire into our bosom. We're bringing fire. We say, I don't know why things are happening in my face. I don't know why things are happening. What are we entertaining in our lives? What are, what are we bringing into our midst? And, and Joshua found himself with this enemy that was among them that was supposed to be from afar off. It was a deceitful thing that we see here in the scripture. You've probably heard the story of the snake. Anybody like snakes? I used to have a good friend and he would he, he would show me all these videos and these pictures of all these snakes wrapped around him and all these cages that he had in his house. And I said, you 
know what? If we're ever going to get to go get to dinner or go to dinner somewhere, it's either going to be at our heart, our house, or at a restaurant, and I ain't going over there. You've got to, you've got to be careful. But you've probably heard the story about the snake, the, the person that got a pet snake. And, and to me, that's oxymoronic because I don't know any snake that's really a pet in and of itself. But here's the thing about this snake. This person got this snake, and gradually the owner got more comfortable with the snake, right up to the point where he got bit. Uh-huh. And, and the owner looked at the snake and said, why did you bite me? And the snake said, you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. See, we've got to stop playing with stuff that keeps biting us. Mom. Yeah. We've got to stop going down the same roads, hanging out with the same people, going through the same mindsets, not breaking these cycles in our life. The things that keep biting us over and over again, we've got to set those things up. Stop hanging around the same people. Listen, young people, you've got to be careful who you allow to influence you in this very hour. It will bring you to a place of compromise. You've got to take a stand for God. You've got to be a, listen, you've got to be a leader and leverage it for your and for his glory. You've got to leverage that, sir. Don't look at your neighbor and say, too close for comfort. Too close for comfort. So number one, I'm, I'm going to try to move along here quickly today. Number one, I want us to see our enemy is deceptive. He is deceptive. When all the kings of Canaan heard what had happened to Ai and Jericho, they joined forces, listen, to seek to defeat Israel. They seen what was happening. They seen God's hand of blessing upon them. And can I tell you, if God be for you, who can be against you? People can line up for 10 miles long, but if God's with you, you they will never be able to overcome you. But these enemies of Israel begin to line up. They begin to join forces with each other in order to come forward with a common goal. Isn't it amazing how the devil's crowd will join up to fight God's people? I said the devil's crowd will join up to fight against God's people. Uh -huh. So you have people that are, are of all walks of life and all talks of life and all different backgrounds and all sorts of different ways. They'll come together and they will fight against God's people. Just look at the way Jesus was treated by his enemies. The Pharisees and the, and the Herodians, they hated one another, but they came together in one common effort of seeing Jesus put on the cross at Calvary. Another friendship was formed over the death of our Lord, which was formed between Herod Antipas. And you remember Pontius Pilate, where the Bible says that they were made friends that day for his sake, his sake being Jesus. They were previously enemies, but they had agreed by a common goal to destroy our Savior. If we walk with God, with the favor of God, then it will attract some enemies. If you begin and you keep walking with the Lord, it's going to attract some enemies. But I'm going to tell you today, keep walking. Keep moving forward. Keep fulfilling the will of God in your life. You've got to get grounded and rooted in the things of God. Listen, there's always going to be a fight. There's always going to be struggles, whether you serve God or you're in the world. There's always going to be issues in life. But I will tell you, I would rather fight with God on my side. When you look at the enemies of Israel in the Old Testament, they never won a battle when they came up against God's people when God's people were following after him and his directions thereof. They never lost a battle. And I'm here to tell you, you can't lose a battle without with the Lord. But you will lose every battle without him. 
And so we find that they're in a place and 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 they they have come together and they're trying to devise themselves. So he uses deceptive wives. We'll see this about the enemy. When the Gibeonites heard that the Israelites were headed in their direction, they devised a scheme to trick Israel into making a peace treaty with them. They dressed up in old clothes. They, they carried old bread. and They had old wine. And they pretended that they were from a far, far country. They did everything in their power to trick Israel to gain access. Isn't that just like the enemy to lie to you in order to gain access in your life? To tell you things that are not accurate. To tell you things and try to deceive you and, and, and try to gain access inside of your life. What a picture of the enemy, the devil. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 11, that we're to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. The enemy uses wiles to get his way in our life. The word wiles in the Greek refers to deceit. It refers to trickery. It refers to strategies. It refers to cunning arts. And, and, and Satan would like nothing better than to trick you up and cause you to fall into the snare and the condemnation of the devil. Just before Jesus died, he told Simon Peter that Satan desired that he may sift him like wheat. You remember the story in Luke chapter number 22, verses 31 and 32. We see that Satan wants to do the same to us today. He wants to sift God's people like wheat. Somebody said to me a while back, they said, I, I don't think the devil has much power. I, I don't think the devil has, has, has much power. The truth is, the devil does have some power, but we serve a God who has all power. Yeah. That's the difference. We serve a God who has all power. So the devil wants us to fall. He wants us to fail. He wants us to forego our calling. And he will not stop at anything to bring it to pass. We see in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 7, he tells us that Satan uses snares to catch his prey. He will try to ensnare you. So Satan uses deceptive wiles. Just like the people of Gibeon did. The devil, how many knows the devil is a liar? And the father of lies. You can't play around in the enemy's territory. You can't allow him access in any portion of your life. And think there's not going to become a lie out of that thing. When the enemy is lying, when people are lying, when people are saying things that are lies, they're being used by the devil. They're being used by the enemy of our soul. So he also, he uses deceptive wares. He, he, the, the Gibeonites had taken every step possible to deceive Israel into believing that they were from a far country. They carried old sacks on their donkeys. They had broken and, and bound up old wineskins. They had patched up shoes. They had, they had shabby clothing and even some moldy bread. The entire aim was to trick Israel. And the Bible says man looks, as we said, on the outward, but God looks on the heart. I used to use a strategy when I was a manager for a number of years. I was a manager over a print management company, and I was the director of operations, and I held several different titles there. I was head over the production team. I was I was head over the uh, research and development. I was head over the, the testing portion of it, the, the, the shipping receiving area. Uh, I was over a portion of the service department, and I was also uh, in a portion of sales as well. So I had many different titles. So I would hire people on occasion. And what I used to do 
is I would allow a person to come in. I would call them on the phone, hey, come in for an interview at this particular time. Now, the first step we always know is to show up on time, right? And what you'll usually always see also in the interview process is somebody's always putting on their best threads. They got their best clothes on. They got on their suit. They got on their, you know, their nice polo shirt. They got on the dress. And they're showing up. They're looking all good. They're smelling all good. They did their hair. They shaved that morning. They brushed their teeth. They did all of those wonders. And they come into the interview. But there come a point when I would let them, because I would walk around and I would talk about the positions that were available and that were open, and I would walk them through the complex, and we would talk about many things, and we would talk about family, and we would talk about the job, and we would talk about the requirements, and we would talk about the benefit package, we would talk about the salary, we would talk about, but there came a point in the conversation that I would see them getting real relaxed. And I would allow this to happen, so I would keep talking. I would keep moving. And I don't have a trouble with talking to people. I don't know if you know that or not, but I don't have, and I never have lost the words. So I would just keep going and walking through the place. And all of a sudden, because I'm looking for chemistry, Brother Adam, I'm looking for, is this person going to fit or make up here at this complex? Is this person going to be a troublemaker? Is this person going to cause problems? Is this person going to cause issues? And oftentimes, you'll start to see people eventually let down their guard. And in the process, I would be able to detect whether or not this person was going to be a good fit for us or not. And you realize one thing, that sometimes what they came in wearing lipstick and makeup and a suit and tie wasn't always what was behind the scenes. Wow. And that's where Joshua's at. He's realizing that he's had an enemy that has infiltrated the camp, that is trying to use the voice of God, trying to say, oh, we, you know, we're from a far off country. We don't know much about you, but we would like to build an alliance with you. Be careful not knowing a lot about people who are building alliances. Be careful about knowing not a lot of history about somebody, but building alliances. And so the devil came and he entered and he infiltrated the camp. So when the devil comes against you, he will not do so in a red suit and with pointed horns and a pointed tail, you understand. He will not be carrying a pitchfork and he will not smell like sulfur. When the devil comes to your life to cause trouble, he will appear as an angel of light. That's what the Bible tells us. He will come looking. He will come talking. He will come walking. He will come smelling just the way that you like it. Just the way that you like to be here. Just the aroma that you want. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 14 says, Marvel not for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He will make his plan appear to be perfect. So beware of every impulse that comes into your mind. Be careful about the impulse. Take every thought captive. Be careful not to, to look too long or to linger too long or entertain something too long. Check out everything by the word of God and by the will of God. Listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit and the Lord will always lead you in the right way. The Spirit of God will come and lead you into all truth. That's what he does. We always got to be on track, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we also find that he uses deceptive words. Notice that in these verses, in verses 6 through 13, that these men of Gideon, they lie. They claim to be something that they were not. 
and they were they were careful in what they said and in what they referred to. You see it in verse number 10. They did not mention any of the events that had taken place since Israel had crossed the Jordan River. They had no history with Israel. They gave the impression that they had indeed been traveling from afar off, from a far country, and, and did not know about Israel's victories at Jericho and Ai. Listen, the enemy would like for us to forget our victories. They don't mention the victories. They don't talk about the victories. The enemy shows up from a far country. Listen, I don't know about you, but the enemy would like each one of us today to forget about the victories that we had through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He wants us to forget about the victories. And listen, he would even much more like us to forget about our victory. Who's Jesus Christ? You, you, listen, you don't have to throw, throw a, a hate party against the enemy, but you need to distance yourself from what is trying to bring down your destiny. And the Bible said these people were liars, not Tim's word. This is King James language. These people were deceitful, and they were liars, and they showed up. And listen, the Bible says and declares to us that all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. we got to be careful in this house. And this is a perfect picture of how our enemy, the devil, operates. This is how that you know the enemy is operating in your life. He will use slick and enticing speech to get you to yield to his plan. He will, he practiced this kind of trickery way back when you go to the Garden of Eden when he was talking to Eve in Genesis chapter number 3, verses 1 through 6. What did he say? He, he taught Eve that she should question God's word. You read that in Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 1. To question. He wants to put a question mark in your mind against God's word. He also taught Eve, this being the enemy, that God did not really mean what he said. You'll see that in verse number 3. Did not God say? He taught Eve that God was keeping his best blessing for himself, that he was holding out on her. And oftentimes that's what the enemy will try to tell us. You know what? God's just kind of holding out on you and all this sort of, why don't you just go ahead and preemptively jump into this? Why don't you just go ahead and move forward with this thing? And sometimes we forego the blessings of God, like we see in Ai, when Achan jumped the gun. God, three days later, let the children of Israel go in there taking the spoils of the land, but he was quick before God said do this. See, there's a time and season, as Solomon said, for everything under the sun. There's a time, and we have to be aware of this, so we have to understand we have an enemy who is very destructive, and he will try to move and operate in our midst. And, and, and here's the thing. The devil will, go, will give away every reason in the world to justify the things that he wants you to do. He will fill your ears with justification. Well, you know you really need money. So it's okay to go ahead and steal that. You know, they won't really know the truth, so go ahead and bend it just a little bit. You know, we call them white lies. Just bend the truth just a little bit. He'll, he'll get you to do that in little fashion, little ways. It's little boxes, as we mentioned last week, that will destroy the life. It's the little thing, and the enemy will start off with something very small, and he's got something bigger on the horizon. Yeah. So then when you have followed him, and you've followed with his plan, plan, and are out of God's will, and you're in trouble, and you're in dismay, he will discard you. Here's the thing about the enemy. He will discard you like a piece of trash and leave you to rot in your sins. 
He will bring condemnation on you. You will, honest, you will have this sense of guilt that flows through your mind and your spirit. You can't get over it. How can God forgive me now? I messed things up. You got to listen. You got to be careful what voice you're listening to. You've got to be careful what you're listening to today. And then there's times when you've got to just put on your spiritual earplugs. Now, I don't have any here today, but I, I wish I did. I wish I had some deep earmuffs. But here's the thing about the enemy. You have to be careful because he will be speaking in crafty and cunning ways. And he will show up, and before you know it, he's taken over the entirety of the camp which you reside. He's taken over that thing. So people often ask, what did the devil tell Cain to get him to kill Abel? What did the devil tell David to get him to sleep with Bathsheba? What did the devil tell Judas to get him to betray the Lord Jesus Christ? What has the devil told you in the past, and what is he telling you in the present? He starts by always getting you to question God. God doesn't, listen, God doesn't understand your situation. God doesn't understand. God has never dealt with the struggles that you're going through. He didn't have, listen, he didn't have a family like you've got. He didn't grow up the way that you did. He never grew up the way that you grew up. And let me remind you that he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself in the form of a servant. He humbled himself in the form of a servant that Jesus was at all points tempted like unto you, but yet without sin. Jesus will listen. Jesus will not condone. He will not. He will not coddle, and he will not connect with your sin. His desire is to capture as far as that he can, to the east and to the west, to bring you to a place of victory. Victory is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of the Savior that walks with you through the struggle. And that's what I'm looking. I don't know about you, but I want to be and live in a place of victory today. You say, Pastor, how do you really know? Listen, I'll tell you something. We don't need to put our, our finger in people's face. Listen, over time, people will eventually give away who they are and the motives thereof. And the enemy will oftentimes do that. And he will oftentimes, he will blow his cover. He will show forth himself way too soon. And listen, 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. He's talking to the church. Paul said, for we are not ignorant of his devices. This verse teaches us that Satan desires to gain an advantage over us. Look at your neighbor and say he wants an advantage over you. And, and to do this, he will use every trick in the book to get you to follow him into failure. But 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversaries, the devil, is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And listen, it tells us that the devil, what he's up to today, it, it, he wants you, he wants your family, he wants your marriage, he wants your children, he wants your testimony, he wants your church. If you have it, he wants it if it was given by the Lord. And if you, listen, you've got to be in a place where you say, I'm not giving up what God has given me. I'm not giving up on the promises of God. Promises of God are yea and yea. I'm not going to get ahead of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to fall prey to the snare of the devil in my life. Listen, I'm going to tell you it's not a day to get lukewarm or stay lukewarm. The Bible says in the book of the Revelation, I wish you were cold or hot. Because since you were cold, I've got to spew you out of, your, out of my mouth. Listen, I don't want to be in a position where I'm cold in this hour. I want to stay on fire. For God, and we've got to be sober. 
We've got to be vigilant. So number one, we see our enemy is deceptive. We see number two, our enemy is destructive. He's destructive. Their ability in verse number 14, the children of Israel, their ability to see clearly was destroyed. Notice that in verse number seven, Joshua initially was a little skeptical of these so-called ambassadors. He was kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really know. There's something that doesn't seem right. Something that doesn't feel right. Something, listen, we've got to understand that God will put, we call it intuition. I call it the power of the Holy Spirit. God will put something on the inside of you that says this is not right. This situation is right, not right. I remember a number of years ago. We were looking to purchase a home uh, uh, for, for my mother and dad, and they went through a series of financial situations and issues, and uh, their credit was really bad, and so on and so forth, so we came to purchase this home. And I remember that we were looking at this house and, and all these particular things, and, and, and my dad was like, yeah, Tim, I, we'd love to have this home, and all and all. so we, we can move forward with the paperwork. I put $500 of earnest money up front. I didn't feel good. I couldn't walk. I couldn't eat properly. I couldn't, I couldn't navigate my job properly. My thought process was consumed on the fact that I shouldn't move forward with this particular task. How many knows that's the power of the Holy Ghost moving in your life? And we've got to be careful not to simply set aside that spirit of God that's on the inside of us that some would call intuition. We call it the power of the Holy Ghost. And I remember going back to the agent and I said, you know what, ma'am? I really appreciate all that you've done. I said, but we've got to just simply decline this whole situation on this home. And she said, well, you realize that that, that, that $500 uh, is not re refundable. And I said, just take that for your time and your efforts and all of those things and we just moved on. But listen, a few weeks, a few months later, we found out that house flooded, the basement flooded, the, the basement flooded, the, there was a backup of the sewage system, all kinds of stuff. What are you saying? I'm saying you've got to be careful. <laughs> Listen to the voice of God. It's not just about some of the basic things. It's some of the things that you're looking to endeavor upon that we don't let God into our life sometimes and we don't pray about it beforehand. We go into this thing raw and God says, listen, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit so Tim's not going to eat like he used to eat. How many knows I like to eat? I love to eat. I love to eat. When I, when my, listen, when my appetite is down, I know something's up. And that's a way for God to get our attention. Look for those signals in your life that God begins to move and show up. So Joshua is in this place where they, they see things are starting to move towards these individuals having infiltrated our camp and their motives are not good and they're not pure. Have you ever been there? Where you have allowed people to come to You've allowed individuals to listen, I don't want you to get the thought process like we're to snub people all over the place and walk out of here and be like talk to the hand because the ear ain't listening. All this kind of stuff. Listen, I think we need to love everybody, but there's only certain people you can allow in your inner circle. Yeah. There's only certain people that you can allow to come in. There's only certain people that you can allow to speak to you and, 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 and come in and have close relation with you. There's only certain individuals, and we have to be very careful because the enemy is crafty. So when the enemy showed up, their clothes, their, their food, their, their broken wineskins, Joshua was more than impressed, and he believed their story. Things are not always as they appear. But I'm thankful for the discernment of the Holy Ghost. I said I'm thankful today for the discernment of the Holy Ghost. So if the Lord has done, listen, anything for his children, he has given us a perfect book 
and he's given us a powerful spirit. These two gifts give us distinct advantage when it comes to fighting the devil. It's called the discerning of spirits. We've got to discern what is happening. We've got to discern what is taking place. And using the Bible and the inner leading of the Spirit of God, we can do that. First Peter chapter number 5 says again, says be sober and be vigilant. The word carries the idea of being in control of ourselves and being watchful. Being in control of your fleshly desires. Saying no to sin. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, I often tell our young people, I'm like, you, you've got to cover your eye gates, your ear gates, you've got to cover all the gates in your life. When you start to look and gaze upon a thing, that's what happened with David. He began to gaze upon Bathsheba, fell into that particular sin. And listen, when God said, stop looking, stop looking, stop hearing, stop listening to that, we've got to listen to the voice of God. Because we don't know where. It may start out small, but it ends up being something great in our life. So these words carry the idea, sober and vigilant, they carry the idea of being in control of ourselves and being watchful. You do not have to fall for everything that the devil tells you. You don't have to fall for the trick. He is a liar and he's a father of lies. We do not have to fall into his traps. And I don't have, listen, I don't have to be the devil's taskmaster or talebearer. I'm a child of God. We are children of God. I don't have to be the devil's taskmaster. I don't have to be the devil's tail bearer. The Bible says where no tail bearer is, strife ceases. I, I, you know, have you ever, you, you probably don't know anybody like this. Um, so we'll just call him John Doe or so-and-so. People that come to you say, did you hear? Really? Have you heard? Did, did, you, did you see how they were? And, and, and people can go down this road. The Bible says where there's no tail bearer, strife. See, when you're in a very, uh, a, a, a really, an atmosphere that is, that is strife-ridden, there are tail bearers in the midst. And we've got to be careful not to be a mouthpiece for the enemy. Probably those were to be ambassadors for Christ speaking on his behalf. That's what the Bible tells us to do. So we need to avoid those things. We need to avoid those situations in our life. We need to be sober. Our adversaries, the devil, is like a more like we need to be vigilant in everything that we do. We need to be watchful. That word is watchful, alert, awake, not asleep. We've got to be on guard for our spirits. So when your spiritual vision gets, gets dimmed through neglect of the word of God and prayer, you are... Listen, you are susceptible to the tricks and the traps of the enemy. And it is impossible to have the victory over him, being the enemy, when we neglect the very things that we are designed to, that are designed to make us strong. Amen? So the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 27, that we are not to give place to the devil. Don't give him even one little bit of a spot. Don't give him, listen, the word refers to a beachhead, okay? If we give the devil room in our lives to attack us, you can count on the fact that he, we, he'll show up and he will attack. He will set up shop. He will, he will do his plan. He will do his work. And he will ultimately take over. We must always be on guard and avoid the attacks of the enemy. Don't even so much as allow him to have a foot in the door. 
my daddy, I remember when I was a teenager. And you know how it is when you're a teenager, you're always trying to push the envelope. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You're always trying to push the parameters. And, 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 and I try to be as best of a son as I could, but there were times when I would try to push my daddy to see exactly where he was at, to see where he was moving. And I would show up sometimes late at night, you know, he would say, be home by 10, and I would show up at 10, 15. And I would think to myself, well, the lights are all out, Daddy must be asleep. Can I tell you, when I showed up, and when I walked in the front door, he was sitting in the dining room, in his robe, in the dark, waiting on me. And I remember telling me him, him telling me this one time, and, 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 and he said, Tim, I give you an inch and you take a mile every single time. How many's ever heard that before? Mm. How many realizes if you give the devil one single inch in your life, he will take a mile every single time. We've got to be careful. We've got to be sober and vigilant in this very hour. So we see here that their ability to seek counsel was very much destroyed. Notice that Israel ate with the Gibeonites and, and did not even take the matter to the Lord in prayer. And again, that's always our first problem is when we don't pray about the situation. I, I don't matter, I, I don't mind praying for somebody, but my first question typically is always, are you praying about the so the children of Israel, they did not pray. They, they begin to break bread together, and, and they entered into this relationship that Jesus, that the Lord said was unforbiddable for them. So they entered into this relationship, and we find out they get out of the will of God in a short, very short sect of time. And listen, it doesn't take long to get outside of God's will. Yeah. God's will is that we will seek his face, and that we will give him time to give us the answer. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be too quick. Don't, don't be too quick. We've got to seek the Lord. We've got to seek his face. We've got to enter into a time of prayer, get alone in our closet somewhere, and let God begin to speak to us. And we've got to ask ourselves, what did the Lord say? What did Exodus chapter number 14 and 13 said, it says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. How many has ever seen the salvation of the Lord come upon your house? Whether it be literally through the salvation, through the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or literally saved you in a situation. We had the prayer request just a little bit ago when uh, uh, Sister Barbara read about a friend of ours, uh, Dakota. His, his, it, would be his, uh, it would be his brother-in-law was riddled with bullets driving down near the class. His vehicle was riddled with bullets. I don't mean one or two. I mean somewhere between 20 and 30 bullets filled this car. And one of the bullets hit his spine. Mm. He had a steel rod in his spine when he was an 18-year-old teenager where his head was nearly severed off at the core. They had to go in and put this metal rod in place. And, and his body literally on one side was literally flowing with nothing but bullets. Hit several places that it should have penetrated, but because of the previous surgery that he had, God spared his life. God spared him. Listen, we don't know what's on the horizon. 
We don't know what type of traps the enemy are setting before us. Listen, we live in a crazy nation right now. And we've got revival running all over the place, but we've also got a devil that's on the loose, and we've got to be careful not to be entertaining our devil in this devil in this day and age. Yeah. We've got to be careful not to allow it to happen. I love Isaiah chapter number 40, verse number 31. It says, But they that wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and faint not. In Psalm chapter number 27, in verse number 14, it says, wait upon the Lord and be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, wait upon the Lord. We've got to be in a position where we wait. I'm going to move forward here. So number one, we see our enemy can be deceptive. Number two, we can see our enemy can be destructive. Number two, we see our enemy can be defeated. I don't know about you, but that puts a smile on my face today. Because there comes a point in your life where you can get tired and worn out by the things that the enemy keeps doing over and over and over in your life. Sometimes we can feel like Job, where we end up in a situation where we've got all these issues and we got we got all these health concerns and all these trials and our family and situations happening all around us and, and we feel like we're in a situation like that. Sometimes life can feel that way. Sometimes it feels like our back is against the wall. But I've got to remind you today that we serve a God that is the victor and we have an enemy that has and will be defeated. I said we have an enemy that's been defeated. We have an enemy that's been defeated, and the enemy must be, listen, here's the thing, he must be confronted. When Joshua found out that these people, what these people had done, they had filtrated and entered the camp, he went straight to them and he rebuked them and confronted them about their sins. There is a lesson in this for the churches of God today. We do not have to roll over and play dead with the devil, and while the devil tries to mold us into his will. We don't have to roll over. We don't have to play dead. We need to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, who was, who was tempted. And listen, he was tempted, and he, and he simply turned the word of God, and he confronted Satan, and he said these words to Satan. He said, it is written. We have to turn the word of God back on the enemy and say, you know what? I know this is what you're saying, and I know you're crafty, and you're trying to twist these words around, but I'm about to give you what it really says, because how many of those context is everything? Context in the word of God is everything, and the enemy is very crafty about twisting the truth of God's word. We see the enemy must be controlled, so he, he must be confronted, he must be controlled, and there's no question that Joshua in Israel had made a mistake with dealing with the Gibeonites. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. How many times it feel like daily? Scripture said all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Seems like we fall and we continuously fall. Sometimes we can fall over the same things, but listen, the enemy, listen, the enemy must be controlled. And there is, there is no question that, that Joshua and the children of Israel had made a mistake in, in dealing with the Gibeonites. However, mistakes, listen, mistakes to not have to spell, listen, mistakes do not have to spell ruin in your life. 
They don't have to spell ruin. We need to learn from our mistakes and we need to pick up and go on. And here's the thing about mistakes. I, I, I had an individual ask me, I was talking about David here a while back, and they were asking me a number of questions about David and his sin with Bathsheba and on and on and on. I said, and they said, well, how, how do we really know that David repented? I said, well, I can tell you one way that we know. He never went back and did it again. So what the, the point is, is that we must learn from our mistakes. We must learn from the mistakes that we have and that we make in this life and to not do them over again. Listen, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and getting a different result. If we keep doing the same thing and get the same result, we need to turn from that thing, turn to God, and allow God to begin to move in our situation once again. I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep going back to my old vomit. I don't want to be like a dog that's returning to that thing over and over again. I want to know that greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And I'm convinced of it today that I have a Lord and Savior that will keep me in perfect peace, whose mind will stay upon the Lord. That's what I'm looking for today. You see, also, and I'm closing with this, the enemy must be commissioned. Notice what Israel did with the Gibeonites. They took them and they put them to work carrying water and chopping wood for the tabernacle of the Lord. Joshua took his mistake. Hear me, beloved. Joshua took his mistake and he used it for the glory of God. He took his mistake. The Bible even indicates that these people eventually got right with the Lord and, and were absorbed into the nation of Israel. You can read about that in 2 Samuel 21, verses 2 through 6. Joshua took his error and he used it for God. He learned from his mistake, he moved forward with it, and he began to walk closer to the Lord. The enemy was commissioned. I'm going to close with this real quick. There's a story about a certain man who wanted to sell a house. And this house was in Haiti. He was looking to get somewhere around $2,000 for this home. He wanted to sell this house, and there was another man who wanted to buy this home. But because he was poor, he couldn't afford the full price. And after much bargaining with this home, it was a $2,000 home, the owner agreed to sell the house for half the original price with one stipulation. He would remain and retain ownership of one small nail protruding just over the doorpost. A nail. He would remain owner of the home. After several years, the, the owner wanted, to, wanted the house back. He thought, you know what? I gave this at a bargain rate. I said I wanted $2,000. I got $1,000 out of it. I kept the nail. It doesn't seem like it's really beneficial. So the new owner was, he was unwilling to sell the home. He didn't want to sell the property. So the first owner went out and he found a carcass of a dead dog. Oh, boy. He took this carcass and he hung it from that single nail that he still owned. Soon the house became unlivable. It became uninhabitable. And the smell was so horrendous and the family was forced to sell the home to the owner of that nail. And here's the point of the story. Here's the moral of the story. If we leave the devil with even one small peg in our life, he will return to hang his rotting garbage on it, making it unfit for Christ's habitation. 
We cannot allow the devil to have even a small little opening in our life, a small little area in our life. We've got to be sober and vigilant in this very hour that we live in today. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm not playing around with God. I'm ready to move forward in all that the Lord has for me in this generation. I'm ready to move forward in all God has for me, and I'm not going to leave one thing for the enemy in my life. How about you? Let's stand to our feet today. Pastor Sandra, you can come. Oh, hallelujah. I know we're small in number today, but I just believe every head bowed, every eye closed. I have to believe that in this service, there are some people that are among us today.